Greetings, friends. It is the weekend of Sunday, November the 19th, and we continue our study in the Gospel of Mark. What have we left behind to follow Jesus? What have we decided is not worth having or not worth doing so that we walked away from it in order to follow Jesus, to become more like him or to learn more about him? For some of us, the question may be, what is it that is keeping us from completely following Jesus and giving him all of us, or at least all of what we know of us? What is it that we're afraid to lose? What is it that we're afraid to do without or to give up or to not let go of? Today, we're going to see a man that Jesus encountered. And when Jesus said, follow me, this man got up and left everything behind and followed Jesus. We see this encounter in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guest, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. These were were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers, these these people of no repute, ill repute, if you will. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked him, and they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. From this encounter, we see a lot of things, and today we're going to talk about five different aspects of what it means to follow Jesus. Following Jesus, first of all, involves an invitation. Number one, following Jesus involves an invitation. We are told in Mark chapter 2, 13, Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. Follow me and be my disciple is an invitation to be in a relationship with Jesus. It's an invitation to hang out with Jesus, to learn from Jesus, and to let Jesus rub off on us, if you will. It's an invitation to be with Jesus. And when it comes to this calling by Jesus to follow him, there are several implications of this call. First of all, follow me is this invitation that's initiated by Jesus, not by us. We love him because he first loved us. He, he left heaven to come to us. He sought us. We didn't seek him. Jesus is not calling Levi because of who he is. He's actually calling Levi in spite of who he is. Levi does not have many qualities in his favor. Because of his job, he was unwanted, he's untrusted, he's disliked by most, if not all. As a tax collector, Levi would have been seen as a traitor. On the surface, there's nothing about Levi that said he would make a good disciple of Jesus. But that's the point. This man did not deserve Jesus' pursuit. Yet Jesus comes to him. Jesus walks up to him in the middle of his work, and he invites him to follow him. Later, Jesus would tell Levi and the other disciples, hey, you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you, John 15, 16. This man become a disciple 
of Jesus solely because of the initiative and the invitation of Jesus. And this is also true for us, for you and me. When we decide to follow Jesus, it's because Jesus has initiated the call. Another observation about this call to follow me is that it's an invitation to follow a person, not a program. When we take a closer look at, when we take a closer look at this, our souls are struck by the greatness of the one who has called us. We're overwhelmed by the magnitude of the words, follow me because we are awed by the majesty of the me who says them. Consider the eye-opening, the jaw-dropping portrait of Jesus that Mark paints leading us up, leading up to this initial encounter between Jesus and Levi. Mark describes Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. In chapter 1, verse 1, and verse 8, Mark tells us that Jesus will baptize his people with the Holy Spirit. In verse 11, Mark tells us that the Heavenly Father acknowledged Jesus as his son at Jesus' baptism. In verse 12, Mark tells us that Jesus did battle with Satan and defeated him, kicked his tail. Mark tells us that Jesus demonstrated his authority over demons when he cast out an evil spirit from a man sitting in the synagogue. Mark tells us that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law with this serious fever verses 29 through 34. Mark tells us that Jesus touched a leper and healed him instantly. Mark tells us that Jesus healed a paralyzed man that was lowered through the roof of a house and forgave his sins. Mark tells us that Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases as he cast out many demons. So after all this, when when Jesus comes to Levi and says, follow me, one thing is abundantly clear. Jesus is not some puny religious teacher begging for an invitation from anyone. He is the all-sovereign Lord who deserves submission from everyone. He is worthy of more than church attendance and casual association. He is worthy of total abandonment, supreme adoration. Follow me is an invitation to follow the glorious person of Jesus Christ. Follow me is an invitation to respond to there's a decision to be made here, to, to call a call to be answered, to, to follow Jesus will require a decision, a choice. But the bottom line is the statement by Jesus to follow him is an invitation to follow the glorious person of Jesus Christ by responding with surrender. When Jesus says to us, follow me, he is giving us the greatest opportunity of our life. It's the greatest invitation that we'll ever receive. Following Jesus involves sacrifice. So number one, following Jesus involves an invitation. Number two, following Jesus involves sacrifice. Mark 2, verse 14, so Levi got up and followed him. When Jesus invited Levi to follow him, Jesus was asking Levi to leave his job, his financial security, and the world that he knew. And to understand this, we have to really know who Levi really really is. So let's get to know him for a minute. He's wealthy, first of all. Levi was part of this very lucrative financial operation. Due to the Roman occupation of Israel, the Jewish people were required to pay taxes to Rome. Herod Antipas sold tax collection, tax collection franchises to the highest bidder, and those who purchased a franchise were required to meet a minimum quota for Rome, while anything that they collected beyond that was theirs to keep. That arrangement made tax collecting a very profitable business 
a very profitable business venture for anyone with high financial aspirations and very low ethical standards. Tax collectors continually looked for ways to squeeze extra money out of people, and they were aided in their collection by by thugs, sort of guns for hire and and low-life sorts. They had a poll tax, an income tax, a land tax, um, which was one-tenth of all grain, one-fifth of all wine and fruit, There were taxes on transport of goods and produce, the use of roads, the crossing of bridges, and other miscellaneous activities. The way tax collectors made their personal income grow was to to charge above what Rome was asking. And whatever they charged, the people had to pay, and Rome would support the tax collector's amounts. Then if people couldn't pay, they would loan them money at very high interest rates. And the bottom line is that tax collectors were wealthy people, and they became wealthy off of taxing the people. Secondly, Levi was unwanted. What Levi gained in material wealth, he lost in terms of social respectability. Tax collectors were among the most hated and despised people during that time. They were considered as part of the trash of society and the worst of sinners. This is supported in Matthew 18, uh, Matthew 21, Luke 5, Luke 7, Luke 18. To their own people, they were seen as traitors. They extorted money from their fellow Jews in order to support the corrupt infrastructure of foreign oppression, as well as to line their own pockets. They were considered unclean. They were barred from attending the synagogue. They were placed in categories like robbers and thieves. Because of Jesus's popularity and doing miracles and thousands of people listening to his teaching, it's probable that Levi was one of those who went to see the miracles and listen to what was that Jesus had to say. And this must have grabbed Levi's heart. Levi started thinking about his life, his purpose, his wealth, maybe what he was doing to people and how people viewed him. Something was stirring in the heart and in the mind of Levi. Levi knew some about Jesus, but what Jesus knew about Levi, of course, is much greater. Jesus could see the heart and mind of Levi. Jesus knew what was happening inside of him. The Lord saw an outcast who was, who was wretched and miserable and deeply distressed by the weight of his guilt and ready to repent. Levi was the very kind of person whom Jesus had come to save, became apparent when he did not hesitate in responding to Jesus' call. Without delay, Levi got up and followed Jesus. When Luke tells us about Levi, Luke gives one little significant insight about what just happened here. Luke 5.28 tells us, so Levi got up and left everything and followed him. In that moment, Levi was transformed from a tax-collecting lover of money into a Christ-follower lover of God. Everything that controlled his life up to that point no longer had any meaning. The money, the power, the pleasures of the world, they all lost their grip in his heart. Under conviction, all he wanted was forgiveness, and he knew Jesus was the only one who could provide it. He had a new heart, new longings, new desires. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 talks about that. And Levi abandoned his toll booth and the fortunes it made him in order to follow the forgiving Son of God. Whenever we hear Jesus say, follow me into something, we will always have to leave something behind. It may not be our job or the town we are used to, but there is going to be something that we have to let go of. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. 
To follow Jesus means we leave self behind. David Platt describes it like this when he writes, Jesus beckoned these men to leave behind their professions, their possessions, their dreams, ambitions, family, friends, safety, and security. He bid them to abandon everything. If anyone is going to follow me, he must deny himself, Jesus would say repeatedly. In a world where everything revolves around self, protect yourself, promote yourself, preserve yourself, entertain yourself, comfort yourself, take care of yourself, Jesus said, slay yourself, follow me. To follow Jesus is total abandonment. We're willing to give up everything. What stands in the way of us following Jesus? What do we need to leave behind? What do we need to let go of? Jesus is saying to let go of our lust, our materialism, our greed, our selfishness, our fears, our pride, our vanity, and follow me. Die to yourself and follow me, Jesus says. What what stands in the way of of this church following Jesus? Are there sacred cows? Are there idols? Are there traditions, conflicts, programs, methods that as a church we, we maybe need to let go of to follow Jesus? Jesus said that we must take up our crosses daily and die to self. The point Jesus made over and over is that to be one of his disciples, we must follow him. Jesus is saying, I will lead. You will go where I want you to go. You will do what I want you to do. And when this happens, we let go of some things. But we also pick some things up. And what we pick up will always be greater than what we let go of. Jesus says, follow me. And that means we will need to leave some things behind. Thirdly, Following Jesus involves a mission field. Following Jesus involves an invitation. It involves sacrifice. And number three, it involves a mission field. Mark 2, 15. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to come to his home as dinner guests. And along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners, there are many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. Out of gratitude and excitement about his new life and new purpose, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home to be guests for dinner. In addition, there are many tax collectors and other disreputable people at this meal. The group would have included known criminals, thieves, thugs, enforcers, prostitutes, all part of the outcast network of which Levi himself had been a part of. From the perspective of the self-righteous religious leaders, these people represented the worst of society. And from Jesus's viewpoint, they compromised, or excuse me, they comprised the mission field. They were sinners and they knew it. The very kinds of people that he had come to seek and to save. Some of these disreputable sinners had already placed their, their truth in, in Jesus and, and was following him as Mark indicated at, at the end of verse 15, when he writes, there were many people of this kind among Jesus's followers. I wonder if some If some of them had been talking to Levi, sharing their story about how Jesus had changed their life, what they had heard Jesus teach about his kingdom of God and he was promoting or, or about these miracles that he had performed. Either way, they were all there, these sinners and those recently changed by Jesus. Levi's dramatic and sudden conversion is this illustrative or excuse me is illustrative of of many others who believed in jesus that day like levi they all had their sins and they all recognized they needed forgiveness and a new purpose in life yet by the grace of god they were transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light those who were once lost are now found those who were blind see those 
who walked away from God now walk with him. In essence, this dinner at Levi's house became somewhat of a revival. It was a celebration held to honor Jesus and to proclaim the story of forgiveness. As Matthew shared his testimony and, and as the Lord personally interacted with Matthew's friends, at this dinner we see God's love for those who sin against him, and we see his compassion, his understanding, his patience, and his acceptance of them. Following Jesus involves criticism. So following Jesus involves an invitation, sacrifice, our own personal mission field, and then number four, following Jesus involves criticism. Eventually, as we follow Jesus and love those who most people hate, help those who most people would ignore, and accept those who most people would reject, we are going to be criticized and misunderstood. This is what happened with Jesus and his disciples. Mark 2.16, But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? The teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, expected Jesus and his disciples to observe their legalistic prescriptions and extra-biblical regulations. And when he did not, they reacted with anger and resentment. As a matter of fact, Luke tells us they complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples in Luke 5.30. When they saw what they what they saw was Jesus eating with tax collectors and other sinners. During the times of Jesus, eating with others symbolized a lot more than just having a meal. It was acceptance, it was it was welcome and friendship. And the very fact that Jesus would share a meal with people like this group of unclean, unholy scum enraged the Pharisees' hearts. In fact, the Pharisees prided themselves on maintaining strict separation from these people. So when we start to use a Christianese word, ministering to the unwanted and start helping the unlovely and begin caring about those who have been rejected, we will be criticized. When we start loving those who have hurt others, when we start having compassion for those the world has no compassion for, and when we welcome the people that others would rather go away, we will be misunderstood. We will be criticized. And we will be questioned. Following Jesus will take us down that path. But that is exactly the path that God wants us to take because it is there that God can use us the most. Following Jesus involves compassion. Finally, following Jesus involves compassion. Look closely at verse 17. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people, sick people do. And I have come to call those who are not call those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they're sinners. When Matthew wrote about this encounter, he tells us that Jesus also said, I desire compassion and not sacrifice. The Pharisees had very little compassion and mercy toward those who they classified as sinners, but Jesus lived out compassion and mercy to such a high level that his compassion irritated the Pharisees. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. This statement by Jesus does two things. First, it tells us that Jesus is compassionate toward the spiritually sick, like a compassionate doctor would be toward the physically sick. Jesus has compassion and patience toward those who have made a series of selfish decisions. People who are trapped in a sin, Jesus sees as spiritually sick. Whether that sin involves alcohol, drugs, sex, greed, material, or pride, he sees them as spiritually sick. 
needing a heavenly doctor. He, he was compassionate toward them. And then second, it exposed the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees. It points out that those who recognize they are sick will seek out help. But those who consider themselves healthy will not seek out help, even if they are sick. These quote-unquote sinners that Jesus was dining with knew they needed help, but the Pharisees relied on their own self-righteousness and thought they needed no help. They thought they were healthy. Jesus went on to say, I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. In other words, Jesus's mission of salvation was not directed toward those who were self-righteous, but rather toward those who knew they were not righteous. Those who think they are righteous think they don't need a savior. Those who think they are good enough don't think they need rescuing from their sins. The Pharisees regarded themselves as righteous, and as a result, they arrogantly assumed that they did not need to repent, Luke fifteen seven. What's ironic about this is the Pharisees were so far from God that, they, that although they could identify other people as sinners, they were unable to recognize their own miserable condition as sin. So let's return to the original question that we started out with. What is it that we have left behind in order to follow Jesus? What have we walked away from so that we could become more like him and introduce others to him? What Jesus did for Levi and those at that meal, he still does today. With Jesus, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. The church of Jesus, Jesus' church, consists not of perfect people, but of perfectly forgiven people. Amen. And God bless.